0: I'd like to make a quick apology for the change in audio quality that will happen during this episode. I recorded a bunch of episodes at once before I had any audio foam. I got that audio foam and when I started editing this I had to change some things and re-record some parts. So that is why there is some drastic changes in audio quality. So my apologies if it's affecting how you have to adjust your volume. Sorry to your ears but here's the episode. Welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I'm your host, Adam Allred, and I enjoyed making this episode a lot, and I'm going to enjoy recording this episode. And If you're a listener who enjoys the episodes that combine math and philosophy, then this one and I think the next one is going to be one for you. If you're a listener who prefers the more modern episodes, I promise I'll make it up to you soon, and I'll try and sprinkle that sort of information in as we go. Anyways... So the title of this episode is Mathematics vs. Metaphysics. We talk about math a lot, and I say it a lot, so much so that it sounds weird to say now. But we must begin by defining metaphysics. It's a branch of philosophy that concerns itself with the nature of reality and wants to answer the question, why are we here? The idea that we are living in a simulation is a metaphysical theory, as is the idea that God created everything. The kind of metaphysics that we got to see in the last episode is numerology. There are two kinds of metaphysical realities that the Greeks tried to use mathematics to prove. The first is a discrete reality. Now in math, when I say discrete, I d- we do not mean that it's secretive or something. Math is not sneaking around. But it means non-continuous. It means no irrational numbers. No pi, no e, no square root of 2. Only rational numbers and integers. On a graph, it would be like a series of points. There is a worldview and perspective of time that our lives are discrete, but we live it at such a speed that it makes it seem continuous. Every point in life exists independently of each other. Similar to have a movie is actually just a series of pictures played fast enough so that we cannot tell the difference between each shot. So as far as I am writing this episode, each key I press is its own unique event, Separate from me pressing the other keys For this to happen there needs to be something in common to every event in our lives. That is us We exist in every snapshot of our life allowing a common factor of sorts to be to exist between events Mathematically for things to remain discrete there needs to be a singular unit that could divide everything This number is one since one divides everything there are some actual mathematicians who take this worldview, that only rational numbers, numbers that can be written as a ratio, exist. I've been taught by one of them, and it may seem ridiculous to you, though. You may be thinking, what could, what could the use of the just discrete mathematics be? Well, thanks to the invention of the computer, discrete mathematics is on the rise. Computers process everything in a discrete way, just very, very, very quickly. The kind of A.I. that we all fear is the kind that can get from discrete processing to a continuous kind. A continuous world is one where time and reality all flow from one to the other smoothly, and they all exist independently on each other. Numerically, these are called real numbers. They are constructed by taking limits. You can imagine this process like so. You are walking down the street. But in this weird world, you cannot vary your stride length. So you are walking and you get to a pothole. Since you cannot step over it, you fill it up by putting a piece of wood down to walk on. Your stride length is the rationals, and these planks of wood are irrational numbers. Together they make the reals, invented because they had to be. We had to be able to take limits to get from one number to the next and these irrational numbers fill these holes for the number three to exist the number two point nine 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 has to exist and the two and the number two point nine 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 eight has to exist that's supposed to be just one less nine and then an eight there's a chance i said it wrong reading the same number back to back can be confusing this is how we process the world we experience our lives as one seamless flow of events And we are aware of the events that get us to the next one, for the most part. And this is what the math post-calculus and pre-number theory resurgence would would lead us to believe. There is a third option, though. That is one that both of these are correct, and it's only a matter of scale. That the universe is actually discrete, and we are just living through one of the blips in that discrete universe, so it seems continuous. That we are on the starting, that we are starting at one side of a point, and we will end our lives on the other side of a point. This idea is similar to how the world is actually round, but we are at such a close scale to it that we can only perceive it to be flat, on an individual level, assuming you're standing on the ground and not in the plane. We are at such a close scale to time that it appears to be continuous, but it is not. Let me know what you think of this idea either on the Facebook page or on Twitter, but this debate was brought was first brought up by the philosopher Zenos, who I've had mentioned in previous episodes many times when I spoke about infinity. For those who may have forgotten, I will retell what is known as the Zenos Paradox. A man is racing a turtle, as one does, and out of kindness the man gives the turtle a head start. It lets it get half of the distance, after which he begins chasing the turtle. But first he must go half the distance. But before he, before that he must go a quarter. And then first an eighth. And then the first and sixteenth and so on and so on. Another version is that he goes half and then he has to go three quarters and so on and so on. So he either never goes anywhere or can't get to where he wants to go because we can split the distance he is running into infinitely many small pieces. But we can very clearly get places. So what does this mean? Mathematics would tell us that both are correct. We can go nowhere and everywhere. Now this paradox stumped the world for quite some time. That is, well, until we developed calculus, of course. But we solved it prior to the invention of calculus, but it was Newton and Leibniz who solved the problem independently of each other in the first place, so it was probably solved simultaneously as the invention of calculus. They discovered that they had to find the sum of infinitely many terms, but it depends on how these terms grow. And it's quite clever for our telling of Xenos' paradox. We are adding up terms whose denominators are all powers of 2. So a half plus a fourth plus an eighth plus a sixteenth plus a thirty-second and so on and so on and so on. Now all these terms can be summed up to equal, to equal one. These fractions get so very small that by the end, they end up not mattering at all that much in terms of the sum itself. However, this doesn't work if we are adding up every fraction, so a half plus a third plus a fourth plus a fifth and so on. That infinite sum blows up to infinity, which makes a bit more sense than the other one, but also a third is not that much bigger than a fourth and then a fourth isn't that much bigger. They're still all getting smaller, they're all still getting infinitely smaller. But, by by only adding up the powers of two, you get one. If you throw in the other numbers, you get infinity. Really bizarre. Infinity is a super weird thing. So imagine you're the one chasing the turtle. What kind of world would you live in? The discrete one, where your infinite series is a finite sum, and you catch the turtle. Or are you in a continuous world where your infinite series has an infinite sum, yet you can still catch up to the turtle? If you are in a discrete world, you must have some common distance that you travel first before you travel the rest. This is called the Planck distance, and it is anatomically small. We've actually, scientists have have discovered it. They've found the particle, the smallest particle that we travel across at a given time. This episode is going to be left with many questions unanswered, which I am sorry for, but hopefully they make you think a little bit about the world that we live in. And I leave you with one last idea that the Xenos' paradoxes give us. One way to think of this is the difference between pure versus applied math. Both tell us the same answers, but in drastically different ways. So which one is right? Or is there a right one at all? Is there a right way to describe the world, or just many correct ways? Again, I offer an answer of both. Pure math tells us the way the world ought to be, but applied math tells us the way the world actually is. They both describe the same thing, but from very different perspectives. Each have much value, and if mathematics can offer anything, it is the value of a different perspective. There is another idea, um, from the math, from Oppenheimer, one of the people who invented the nuclear bomb with Einstein and friends, he said that there is no such thing as pure and applied math. There is good math and bad math. That's it. And good math just keeps very close to reality and to describing the actual world, and bad math gets very far away from describing reality, describing reality in the actual world. In his opinion, number theory, which will be the entire subject of next season, number theory is the is the best math because it is the thing that describes the world closest. Because he was thinking that because he held holds hold of the belief that we live in a discrete world and everything is in disc- is discrete in number theory. Um, in the 60s, there was a if you listen to the bonus episode, that very first clip. Apologizing for that audio. But that very first clip was a professor talking about this. And in the 60s, a lot of people just made up pure mathematical definitions of things, and sometimes they seemed, they were just abstract to be abstract, and it was super silly. And some definitions, every function satisfied those definitions. So, I like to think that, I like to think that pure math and applied math are just Things that we needed to create degrees in universities and we need to clump things up, but in actuality, there's no difference between the two. They just like I said, pure math is the way the world ought to be. Applied math is the way the world actually is. A real world example of that are things called matrices. Matrices are just like Excel spreadsheets, essentially you can put they can contain information, you can do lots of things with them and they're super cool. But there's something about a matrix called a determinant. And, um, if the matrix has a determinant of zero, it doesn't have an inverse. Meaning that if I multiply two matrices, I wouldn't get the matrix equivalent of one. So if it has a determinant of zero, that, th- that thing doesn't exist. So, uh, that's the theory tells us anyways. However, the, in like numerical methods, sometimes you have matrices are very useful in applied things. So you try and find the de- inverse of a matrix, and the determinant is so so infinitely small, or the determinant is so big rather, it's so very 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 big that when you part of finding the inverse is dividing by a determinant, you haven't you have a number that's so super big on the bottom that it goes to zero when it's turned into a fraction. So while the determinant might might not be zero, it's so huge that in actuality that the matrix still doesn't have an inverse, even though the theory says you should have one. There's a little modern example for you if you're into linear algebra or anything like that. This has been Mathematically Speaking. Thank you for listening. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the show. Just a quick pause to let you know that if you have any questions or comments and you'd like them to be on the show, feel free to leave me a voice message. The link for that should be in the show notes. If you want to leave me a message, you can find me on Instagram at Adam underscore Elisha, on Twitter at Mathematically Speaking, and there's now a Facebook group called Mathematically Speaking, where we're going to be having discussions after every show, and I'll be posting episodes there about a day early. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show.